Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Well, we're back together again. A few weeks off at just the right time, but uh, I think it's just the right time to get back together again for the Here's the Catch podcast because uh, stuff is heating up around the NFL. In fact, we're recording this on a Wednesday evening. On Wednesday morning, the salary cap was finally revealed for 2021. I felt like it, it was like selecting a new pope or something. First, we had to wait a long time, and then the white smoke came out of the NFL building, and, and then we learned the salary cap, $182.5 million for this 2021 salary cap. So keep in mind that the 2020 cap was $198.2 million, so that's a reduction of almost 8%. It is historic. It's the first time the cap has ever dropped this much. There was one very minor drop in the past, but never by this much. So it's obviously having huge ramifications around the league. Already this season, we've seen a ton. Uh, this, this week, we've seen a ton of players uh, released league-wide who probably otherwise wouldn't have been released had the cap been up at 210 or $215 million, as people were initially expecting. So um, it's all part of this large puzzle where people have to tighten their belts financially this offseason and um, just make it work throughout free agency. The new league year starts next Wednesday. The tampering period starts on Monday. So we're just seeing this whole deluge of activity now, right now, Matt. And the 49ers are, uh, you know, one of the teams, one of the many teams that is having to alter its practices this offseason uh, to make sure that they feel the competitive team next year. So it's going to be busy. It already has been busy for the 49ers, but we're about to enter the real eye of the storm here moving forward now that the salary cap is set at $182.5 million. Yeah, and I think they are waiting for that salary cap to be set to basically finalize some of their business. And we've seen them do it, uh, you know, bit by bit, you know, getting small deals done. A lot of their restricted free agents, guys like uh, Jeff Wilson, got done, et cetera, et cetera. There are two that are still outstanding that sort of fit into that category. They're Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback. He's a restricted free agent. Uh, and then the other guy is, is Daniel Brunskill. He's an exclusive rights free agent. So the 49ers won't let either of those guys go. I, I'm just wondering whether they've waited this long because they're uh, eager to do more long-term type deals with these guys versus just the uh, the minimum one-year deal. But um, I think, uh, as we've uh, the three of us have discussed quite a bit, they're both essential guys to bring back. Uh, Emmanuel Mosley has the ability to play both uh, outside and inside, and, and that could be, become very valuable uh, if K1 Williams leaves in free agency. And Brunskill can play any position along the offensive line. He could be the, the starting center. He could be the starting right guard for this team. So uh, I think that's all being discussed right now and, and sort of explains why these two guys were sort of the, the last Dennis of that uh, sort of uh, first group of free agents uh, to get done. Even with the salary cap where it is, uh, the 49ers are kind of focused on, 
you know, building this team for the future and, uh, you know, signing the, the two guys that they did sign, uh, Ross Dwelly and Marcel Harris. I mean, I think it just kind of shows and two, you know, I hate to say backups, but two really good guys who've played well when they had the opportunity because of injuries. So, you know, I think John Lynch and, and Kyle Shanahan are, are definitely looking to build this team. And, and a lot of people are, you know, are talking about, you know, getting back to the Super Bowl. I think the 49ers want to get some consistency going. I think they want to compete, you know, every year for a championship. Uh, and you do it by signing some of these guys that you know, guys who, who are good in the locker room, guys who are good leaders. Guys who understand, you know, the culture of the 49ers. You know, we'll see some more of these these deals kind of happen. And uh, you're going to have to get creative because you, you, you've lost your defensive coordinator. You've lost, you know, a key guy on your offense coaching staff. And, you know, they're with a team that has a lot of money. And I'm talking about the Jets. And, and they're going to want to build their team, you know, the way the 49ers have built their team. So, and they have a lot of money. So, and, I mean, you have to uh, be creative with your you know, with this salary cap and, and get these guys back that are that are super important uh, to this team. Guys like Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, there's, there's that, that's a guy that's super important to this football team. And, you know, moving forward, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, Dennis, you're absolutely right. To build a sustainable product, you have to identify the players who fit your building and you have to sign them for longer chunks of time because just the way that this works financially, if you're just renting players for a year at a time, A, uh, you look at the team aspect and that's all intangible, but it's harder to find a cohesive team if you're just bringing in one-year mercenaries. But from, from the financial perspective of all this, if you can bring in players on longer deals, you can spread cap hits out into the future when the league is going to have a new TV deal, when there's going to be a, a lot more salary cap room, and you could generally build a, a more sustainable operation. Now, the 49ers, they're tight on salary cap space this season, especially since Trent Williams is working on a mega deal with the team right now. We actually expect that to happen potentially here soon. I think it's more likely than not that Trent Williams signs with the 49ers, not anybody else, but that's going to cost a lot of money. The the thing with that is the 49ers will be gambling on Trent Williams to be good into you know some later years in his career, 33, 34, 35, 36, if they do sign this deal. And it's the same with other guys, you know, maybe that don't have the notoriety that Trent Williams has, but somebody like Dan Brunskill. If the 49ers, you know, he's an exclusive rights free agent this year, but if the 49ers do bring him back for a, a longer period of time, if they decide, oh, this guy fits our culture, fits into our plans, well, what that can do for them is it, it, it can save them money in the long run. It can make them more financially sustainable for the long run. Because right now, you're working with that limited 2021 space, and you also have you know potential cap headaches in 2022. And the last thing you want to do is pay players big signing bonuses right now who don't pan out, who you have to cut in 2022 and maybe 2023. And that just saddles those years with dead money. You want money to be live money. You want all the money that you're paying your players to be efficient, to be turning into production in 2022 and 2023. And that, Matt, is why it's so important to identify and pay the players who are going to consistently deliver for you, not just in 2021, but beyond. That's how you build a sustainable product. And that's what the 49ers have to try to do this offseason. Yeah, you have to get lucky with some of your, your late picks and your undrafted guys. I mean, Daniel Brunskill and Manuel Mosley weren't drafted. 
Um, and uh, they've been really productive. Uh, Dennis brought up Ross Dwelly. He wasn't drafted either, and I think Marcel Harris was a six-rounder. So those are the types of, uh, of picks, and uh, going back to the, the last regime, uh, the, the Trent Balky regime, those are the types of picks that I didn't think this team did very well on. Um, it seemed like Balky was always trying to hit a home run and was drafting guys coming off of ACLs and whatnot, hoping that there, there would be a lot of bang for the buck down the road. They didn't have those rank-and-file guys uh, that you clearly need. Uh, you clearly need them to, to get through a game, and you need to have them because uh, they're, frankly, cheaper uh, than, than the rest. And it helps balance the Trent Williams and the Kyle Juszczyk's on your, on your roster. Uh, Dennis said something very interesting earlier about the Jets and, and how they'll probably want to build uh, you know, their roster the way the 49ers went about it in, in 2017. And what the 49ers were doing back then, this is when Kyle, and, uh, Kyle Shanahan and, and John Lynch first got here, uh, was they brought in a lot of guys that were familiar to Shanahan and to uh, Robert Sala. Uh, I was just jotting them down and probably missing a name, but Brian Hoyer, Pierre Garçon, uh, Malcolm Smith, Logan Paulson, he was a tight end. All those guys had played for uh, Shanahan or, or Sala in the past. Uh, I think Kwan Williams is on that list too. And it just makes me wonder, okay, if the Jets are going to do the, the same thing, how many of these 49ers free agents are going to be wearing green and white next year? And, and, and I think that, you know, it's going to be a lot. I mean, we're talking three, four, five type, uh, type of guys because, as Dennis noted, um, you know, the, the, the Jets have a new regime. They're, they're changing over, and they have a lot of salary cap space. So uh, Kwan Williams, Joukowsky Tart, I think Kyle Juszczyk is a uh, – is a possibility to go to, to, to the Jets. All these guys um, are possibilities. Uh, uh, Trent Williams might be. I mean, we, we've been linking Trent Williams possibly with the Indianapolis Colts, but, you know, if, if the Jets have a lot of uh, salary cap space and they're running the same offense, um, you know, that's that's a plausible uh, landing spot for him as well, although I'm, I'm sure he doesn't want to be part of a, a big long rebuild out there, but uh, the Jets to me are are the going to be the fly in the ointment for the 49ers. They're going to ratchet up the prices of some of these free agents, and it's going to be very interesting, Dennis, to see who heads east in New York. Yeah, and you know, you think about Robert Sala, and and you want to the first thought I get at least is is on the defensive side. You know, these guys like DJ Jones and Chikwaski Tart, even Akello Witherspoon. I mean, he's going to be. I think he's going to be kind of look at those guys, but he's going to be looking at offensive guys. And that's why I brought up Kyle Juszczyk. When you think about a Kyle Shanahan's uh, offense, I think the fullback is 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 a big, big part of his offense, especially with a guy like Kyle Juszczyk. And I just, I just think back to how emotional he was after that last football game, that interview. And it, it really felt like he was thinking it could be his last football game as a 49ers. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, the Fleur, and his offense, he's going to be looking to run the same type of offense, and he's going to need that fullback. So that's why I say, you know, the 49ers got to get creative. I mean, whatever they're going to do, you know, improve your receiving crew, your slot receiver, whatever it is, I think you'll see a different offense because, you know, if Kyle's not there, it changes the whole perspective of that Kyle Shanahan uh, offense. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, 
the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, well, with Kyle Juszczyk, you have a special player because he was a slot receiver at at Harvard. So he comes to the fullback position with the ability to make all the difficult run blocks that Kyle Shanahan needs, but he comes to it with a pass catcher's background. And, you know, I don't think the 49ers utilize Kyle Juszczyk enough in the passing game, but I do know that the threat of him running these patterns helps the pass game. And that's really hard to quantify, right? You, you could have a look at the raw passing stats and advanced passing stats, but still, it's football's a complicated sport, and you actually have to talk to guys, talk to defensive coordinators, talk to the offensive play designers to realize how much of an impact just having a guy like Kyle Juszczyk line up in the backfield has on an opposing defense. He runs wheel routes, go routes out of a lead blocking eye formation, you know, as a fullback. Uh, there was a play that the 49ers missed bad against Philadelphia. Nick Mullins overthrew Juszczyk, I think, on the second or third play that probably, had it been a, a good pass, would have won the 49ers that football game. But what happened there is that Philadelphia was sure that Kyle Juszczyk was going to block. He was eye formation, fullback, lead blocker. I mean, 99% of the time in standard football, that's what happens. But Juszczyk just sprung out out of that formation and was wide open on the left side. And Mullins just missed him. That play actually worked for the 49ers against Pittsburgh in week three of 2019. That's when Garoppolo hit Juszczyk there down the sideline. It seemed like Juszczyk almost got his head taken off on the play, but he made a great catch. So, I mean, it's just a great example of of the, the type of play that catches a defense off guard. And then if that play is in the defense's mind, you might not notice, but it might be what springs a four, five, six, seven, eight-yard gain later on, maybe multiple times in the run game because the defense is just a step tentative, right? Dennis, I got to ask you about that play action. When you have an offense doing a bunch of creative stuff, were there certain coordinators back when you were playing that just kind of had you a little bit tentative with your pass rush, you know, maybe not changing what you do, but you're thinking a little with a little bit more hesitation because you think that, that it might be a screen or it might be something creative. So you can't just pin your ears back. It was a different time. And, you know, it, it was always run first and then you play the pass. But I can remember playing against uh, uh, Brett Favre and he was always a guy that and at that time, Green Bay ran a lot of of draws and a lot of screens and it, he was always and, and that worked well because he kind of kept you on the line of scrimmage and Pete Carroll was actually the coordinator then and it was always you kind of it kind of kept you on your heels because you're looking for that draw or screen that's going to gash you for that that 10 yards right up the gut so you're not able to kind of pass rush and that 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 is what I think Kyle Shanahan and, and, and his offense it keeps uh, defensive lineman kind of wondering what's coming at him next. And he'll he'll pound you with the run. He'll get you to the sidelines, running sideline to sidelines. And all of a sudden, you look up and then there's a deep pass down the field. So yeah, that creativity, it really kind of attacks a, a defensive front because you don't know if you can... I mean, you might have the right read, the right formations, but yet you don't know if it's coming or not. So back when Britt Favre was the quarterback, and it was always tough to get a read on him because you didn't know if he was going to hand that. But he was great at the play action. 
I mean, he would he would stick the ball all the way, you know, into the pocket or into the stomach of a running back and pull it out uh, and throw a quick pass, you know, quick, you know, out or, or an in route. So it kind of kept us on our toes or on our heels, I guess. Yeah, and I feel that throughout history of football, you know, times change, but the principles really stay the same. So it's, you know, it's, it's fascinating to hear that, that some of the stuff that Brett Favre was doing, that the offensive coordinators back in the nineties, what they were doing it, I guess it has kind of the same uh, fundamental backbone as what's happening yeah. today. And, you know, Matt, I think that's why Kyle Juszczyk is a player that is in a sense, he's giving us a, a throwback dynamic, right? Everybody's talking about, oh, the fullback with Kyle Juszczyk. Kyle Shanahan is bringing the fullback back into style. And that's a very 90s-like thing, right, in the NFL, except that Kyle Shanahan is adding, I think, a more 2021 twist with uh, some of the past stuff that, that Kyle Juszczyk is running. But at the core, right, this is, this is a throwback it's bringing back the 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 run first deception that that football was really built on and i think that's why Kyle Yushchek is an important player for the 49ers because a lot of what the offense does maybe all of what the offense does hinges on a successful run game and that successful run game if you look at the numbers i think hinges a lot on Kyle Yushchek when him and George Kittle are off the field 49ers are not an efficient running team. Yeah, and, and I, I think your your 21st spin on it, 21st century spin on it, is the right take because they're not running power. They're running these outside zones. So um, it's not the classic uh, role of the fullback, um, and, and that's why youth check is so um, valuable to this team. He, he's so unique because he's able to be a fullback on a team that um, you know, it isn't just kind of plowing ahead. He has to be nimble. He has to be fast. Uh, and it's why he makes, you know, double what the next fullback makes. And uh, I wonder whether if in the scenario that Juszczyk, uh goes elsewhere, whether the 49ers even bother to try to sign another fullback or whether they decide, okay, let's do this. Let's concentrate our resources, our capital on another good tight end because there are a lot more good tight ends out there uh, in free agency in the draft than there will be fullbacks and, and sort of make that uh, that two tight end package uh, 21 personnel or 12 personnel uh, versus the 21 personnel that they've uh, they've relied on in fact I think that's probably what they do and um, and in that scenario, we're going to have to start looking at these tight ends really carefully because there are a lot of good ones out there in free agency. Um, the 49ers could wind up uh, drafting Kyle Pitts, the best tight end uh, to come out in the draft in a long time. Uh, he's out of Florida, and boy, I, I, th- I would think that Kyle Shanahan would just salivate uh, to have him as a, as a weapon. Him and Kittle on the field at the same time. Um, it would it would be uh, it would be something to make defenses tremble. But uh, without use check, I think that they'll they'd probably go more two tight end looks uh, fr- from this point. Well, I have forward. a name for you, Anthony Ferkser from the Titans. He is a Harvard grad, so it, it, this guy's six two two forty. So he's a tight end, but he's built more like an H back. He's a little bit shorter than the tight end, so he actually is. I don't want to say use check clone, but uh, he. He can do some of the stuff in the backfield that that Juszczyk can, and he had 39 catches this past year. He's going to be cheaper than Juszczyk, and if you like a guy like Josh Hokett, if you're the 49ers, I think you could 
you know, Josh Hokett is only going to cost you six hundred sixty thousand dollars. So right. that's that's almost free. Josh Hokett may make the fifty three man, and then your fourth tight end or your third or fourth tight end could be a guy like Anthony Ferkser, who can take some of the pressure off of Hokett, so he doesn't have to be Kyle Uzcheck right away. So you really replace Kyle Ho- uh, uh, Kyle Uzcheck with with two players, right? I think the and I think that really fits into your plan, right? You're, you're saying that you want a tight end doing some of that fullback work. Yeah, I'm just saying that there are more tight ends out there. And, and this guy so- sounds like a quasi-tight end. 6'2", 240, sounds like a fullback to me, but uh, I, I guess it depends on where you, you line up. But yeah, I mean, and that, that's sort of what Delaney Walker did for this team um, back in 2011, 2012. And Delaney Walker is another guy who's going to be available in free agency. There's just a long list of tight ends, a long list of tight ends who uh, more like uh, H-backs who can spend some time in, in the backfield. Uh, that's that's my prediction of where the 49ers would go absent use check. Well, you know, the 49ers now, I think I got it right. I think they've got, they'll have three tight ends on the roster George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, and Charlie Warner, right? Yep. Yeah, they got one more, Chase Harrell. I don't think Jordan Reed's coming back, even though it was exciting to think of him and George Kittle on the field at the same time. He showed some flashes, but how about this? Ross Dwelly as a fullback, and then you kind of go out and you find yourself a slot receiver and run that three-receiver set uh, and let Jimmy Garoppolo get after it that way, but then you got to go find a, a good slot receiver. But I think as far as tight ends go, I think the 49ers, you know, they like what they got in the building as far as, as tight ends go. We've kind of checked out on Kyle Juszczyk, but you never know. In the next couple of weeks, he could get signed. But I think if he's not signed, I mean, I think Ross Dwelly played a little bit of fullback yeah, uh, when uh, Juszczyk was kind of down. And, you know, now you got a tight end and, you know, if he can play a fullback and teach him to be a little bit of a better blocker, you won't get a, Kyle, you won't get a blocker like Kyle Juszczyk, but... Still, you got a, someone in the backfield, you know, a big body guy with, and someone with some soft hands. Well, and, you know, it goes back to Kyle Shanahan's emphasis on offensive interchangeability, right? I mean, this is something that you definitely wouldn't have heard of back in 1994. Everybody was their own defined role, and that was that. There are still obviously are defined roles because there's physical realities at play. You have to be able to block the middle linebacker when you're the fullback, so you do have to weigh over 230 pounds. Um, so, so you can't just say that everybody on offense is a weapon that could, you know, just play any position at any time. But the 49ers have striven to sign and draft players offensively who have enough versatility to, in select spots, play the other role. So that's why you see the receivers taking so many handoffs. That's why you see George Kittle able to line up wide because and and that's why you see Ross Dwelly able to to take over the fullback duties whenever needed and I think you the 49ers want to establish more of this moving forward especially if they lose a guy like Kyle Juszczyk so they can more seamlessly continue to run the offense even you know without the pieces that are prescribed for a specific position there if the tight end can move in do some more h-back stuff well all of a sudden that keeps all of your threats open when the quarterback steps up to the line of scrimmage and that helps put the defense back on its heels so i think this is all a larger picture of offensive interchangeability that the 49ers have been trying to build for four years and that they're going to try to continue to build 
this offseason. And, uh, you know, th- that leads me to, to the broader picture, Matt. Is there anybody here early in free agency that you see the 49ers making a run at? Or are they happy with the weapons on the outside with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and, you know, the guys they have in the backfield, Jeff Wilson, Raheem Mostert, obviously George Kittle, tight end. Is that a strong enough core for them to just be content here and move forward? Or do you think that they do make at least a semi-splash signing on the offensive end? I think it's going to be like next year. I mean, like last year when they, uh, I forget exactly when they signed Jordan Reed. I think it was early August or late late July. But a lot of these guys, I think they're just going to wait for this market to, to become soft. And I think it, it absolutely will. There's going to be a glut of guys just kind of sitting out there. And we're already seeing them get cut left and right. And I think that's going to be the 49 game plan. They're going to try to go after their big three, which we've been saying for a while, is Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, and and Jason Barrett. And then they're just going to kind of sit on their hands a bit and hope that these guys just kind of stew and some of these players will take budget deals. And, you know, some of these, these positions... Now, pass rusher, for example, I mean, the, the, the number of, of decent edge rushers who are going to hit the market is, is huge. I mean, we're, we're talking 15 legitimate guys uh, from you know, Carl Lawson to uh, Melvin Ingram, Bud Dupree, Shaq Barrett, Olivier Vernon, Leonard Floyd, Hassan Reddick. Floyd and Reddick jump out to me because they're in the division, so it's sort of a, a double whammy. If you, if you signed them, you'd be robbing your uh, division opponent of a really good player. Um, I don't think that those guys will be in the 49ers uh, salary range, but my point is that um, I I only named a fraction of them. There are going to be guys out there, Kerry Heider might end up being in this category, who just don't get the money that they deserve. Uh, because it's going to be a very soft market given where the what, what's happening with the salary cap. So I think the, the 49ers will wait and they'll get bargain deals. And I think those bargains, uh, they wish that uh, they come at tight end, receiver, and probably, uh, you know, helping to kind of fill in those gaps on the defensive line. You know, I, I think Kerry Hyder, I mean, I think he'll be a Jet. I think Robert Sala, he found him. I think he's going to take him. He's going to be a free agent. I think uh, Sala's going to going to take him with him uh, to the Jets. And you guys have to answer this question for me. I read somewhere that um, D Ford, if he passes a physical, then the 49ers can actually kind of release him. But if he doesn't pass, he's kind of, you know, they're on the hook with him. Is this true? Yeah, yeah no, it's 100% true. So on mm-hmm. April 1st, $11.6 million of his 2021 salary becomes fully guaranteed. Uh, the problem is that before April 1st, the, the, so, so theoretically, if he were healthy, they could cut him so they could avoid that. The problem is it's also guaranteed for injury before April 1st, and he hasn't been healthy yet. So that means that unless he passes that physical before April 1st, then the 49ers can't cut him without owing him that money because it's guaranteed for injury. So right. in a weird way, he, he, he has an incentive to not be healthy. million (laughs) worth of incentive to not be healthy. Really a disaster if you look at it from the financial perspective. Um, Why the 49ers, I mean, you could argue all day that they shouldn't have traded a second round draft pick for him because he had previous back problems, back surgery, all this, all that. I, I actually don't disagree with those moves. I thought the 49ers were so desperate for pass rushing help in 2018 or 2019 that they 
they you know they had to do something and it did work they ended up in the super bowl in large part because they had this monstrous edge rush from bosa and ford but what i don't get is why in year three he had such a large injury guarantee 11.6 million dollars and you're absolutely right dennis it's left them in a complete bind now um because if he doesn't pass that physical that is pure leverage for d ford and no matter what they do if that happens um, if he doesn't give any of his money back, which I don't expect him to, uh, the 49ers are going to be stuck with with a cap charge of at least $14 million for D Ford. $14 million even if he doesn't yeah. play in 2021. Now, Shaq Barrett was a uh, free agent that same year. I mean, that, they just chose the wrong guy. It, yeah. It's as sim- simple as that. Shaq Barrett would have been a lot cheaper. He was a free agent, so they wouldn't have had to give up a draft pick. And remember, D. Ford didn't play all that well in the Super Bowl. Um, he, he didn't really show up, certainly not the way that uh, Nick Bosa did. So if Shaq Barrett's on uh, rushing from the other end the, the way he did in this most recent Super Bowl, you, you got to wonder whether that would have made a difference uh, for, for the 49ers, whether that would have pushed them over the top. Uh, it, it was just a... Uh, they 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 picked the wrong guy. I mean, it happens, but that's that's a really good case in point of uh, of, of whiffing on a uh, a potential bookend for uh, Nick Bosa. Just how you look at it, because it's bad for the 49ers, but it sounds pretty darn good for D Ford. You know, even if he's injured, he's gonna he's gonna get paid. So and and that that's my big thing is you know not not knowing how Nick Bosa is gonna come back and if he's gonna be the beast he was in his rookie season. Uh, and then your defensive line. I mean, you, you really need to get back to where you just got that front four that are just really getting after it. And, you know, I think Ken Law has come along. I think Eric Armstead, if you put him in the right situation, he can be that guy. But you need those two edge rush, rushers. And yet to be seen if it's going to be that wide nine again. But whatever it is, you need that consistent pass rush on your edges. And we didn't see Ronald Blair last season because of the same surgery that Nick Bosa had. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And, and I like when you say that there's going to be some some bargains out there. There's going to be a lot of good pass rushers, and there's going to be an opportunity. And hopefully the 49ers can kind of find, you know, that, that needle in the haystack where you can bring someone in. Because D. Ford was great when he was on the field, I think. I think he really he really pushed that defense over that, that, that hump in 19 and get to the Super Bowl. So... Hopefully there's someone out there they can grab and, you know, it's not going to be much money, especially if, if D Ford, you know, doesn't pass that physical and he gets that incentive. So that's what I look at. I'm doing a lot of reading on it now. I'm trying to see, you know, who's out there. It's, there's a lot of really good pass rushers, like you said, but can the 49ers afford them? Well, it's really the opposite dynamic that we're used to. Normally the edge rusher market is just so scant because these guys don't seem to hit the open market all too often if they're really premier edge rushers. And we're normally talking about the draft being the avenue through which you have to acquire these these talented defensive linemen coming off the edges. And it's really just been turned on its head, right? Over the past two seasons, there have been really, really premier edge guys that you know were locks to be picked in the top five. 49ers got one of them in 2019 in Nick Bosa. His college teammate, Chase Young, went in the top five the year after that. And the whole time, it was just all these guys in free agency. It would almost be, you know, you'd think, oh, that's prohibitive. We can't spend that much money. And even if we can spend that much money, there may not be an edge rusher available. Well, 
now it just seems that there's nobody that's premier top 10 caliber in in the entire draft right i mean uh, the people uh, rousseau the uh, the guy who uh, from miami who people are calling one of the top uh, edge rushing candidates he didn't even play in in 2020 so you'd be rolling a big dice there draft him too high he'll probably go in the first round but i don't see him going in the top 10 you just have this sketchy rookie pool but you have so many of the veterans so it almost makes me think, Matt, that you really do have to keep an eye on what might be available in the draft when you do enter free agency next week if you're the 49ers and realize that, hey, maybe our edge you know, need will be best satisfied through free agency. Maybe we should find a way to open up some room now just because it seems that the draft is, is much more sketchy this year at that particular position than it has been in years prior. Yeah, that's led to a lot of people asking, why not just let Trent Williams go in free agency and um, concentrate on that position in the draft? Because offensive tackle is a good draft position. Uh, that is deep. Uh, the, the 49ers would, would, would find a, a starter caliber guy at number 12, and then you use the, the savings that you know you were apportioning for Trent Williams, and then you go out and you get one of those guys that we, we just talked about, Hassan Reddick or Yannick Ngakwe or uh, you know, uh, Carl Lawson. It's, it's a long list of guys. You could do that. Um, the the it, and then you wouldn't have to worry about the the, the draft uh, at that position. Um, you know, the, the counter argument is that Trent Williams is leaps and bounds better than anybody that you're going to be able to draft. Um, and, he, and, it's, and it's a roll of the dice. I mean, look what happened to Tennessee. They, they drafted this guy, Isaiah Wilson. And, um, you know, now they, they're, they're trying to get rid of him. Or, or they did get rid of him for, for a song. Um, yeah, so, uh, the, the draft is, is dicey. Um, Trent Williams, you know what you're getting. Uh, you know, he's just custom built for this offense and, um, you know, he, he's been to many, many pro bowls. So, um, I still think that's the way it's going to wind up, but, but it is a, a conversation worth having. Why not kind of flip that, um, that strategy on its head and go offensive tackle in the draft and defensive end in free agency. When I look at a, a player like Trent Williams, I look the way he played uh, last season. I, I think he's a guy that's that's important at offense. A tackle at his caliber, if you have an opportunity, even though he's he's expensive, uh, but he he's worth every penny I, in, in my thoughts. In the draft, I think as far as a, as a defensive lineman goes, these are guys you can coach up. And these are guys that you you can get them your team and, and they can play for many a years. You just got to pick the right one. You got to really do your homework on these guys. You have to, you know, there's no combine this year, but you have to really watch some tape. And then you have to make the right decision. I think as far as a defense, as far as defensive linemen go, it's not rocket science. You know, it, it's one thing, find the ball and make plays, get off blocks and make plays. I think that's something that can be coached up. I think the 49ers with their defensive line coach, he's a fantastic defensive line coach. I think you can really go out and you can find some young kids as far as the defensive line goes. And you can find some edge rushers. You can teach techniques. You know, heart, you can't judge. Character, you can't judge. But you can you can figure out with some of these interviews, I think, guys who are about it and, and looking to get getting into the NFL and making a career out of it. You're not going to find a Nick Bosa. But there are some guys out there I think you can go. But I think you need to keep a Trent Williams 
on your offensive side. It may take paying Trent Williams as the bias paid left tackle in NFL history. I, I have an inkling that that's what, what he wants. And it's controversial because he's going to be 33 years old. You know, right now the top uh, left tackle in terms of average per year is David Bakhtiari from San Mateo went to went to Sarah High School but he's with the Packers and he's making 23 million dollars a year he signed that deal in his late 20s though so there's there's a big difference there between late 20s and a guy who's about to turn 33 that being said Trent Williams is the dream left tackle scheme fit for the Shanahan system that's why he was drafted in the top five by Mike Shanahan when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator in Washington. And, I mean, you could argue that the 49ers need Trent Williams even more badly than Washington needed him back then because he was literally the only 49ers offensive lineman who was an above-average pass blocker this past season. It's tough in a system that is run-based and it's space run-based, right? Outside zone, you need athletic offensive linemen getting you know, laterally across the field they need to get up and down the field to make these athletic blocks those guys tend to be a little bit lighter to to make sure that they have that athleticism they're not big tanks they're nimble it's tough to you know have that guy also be really good in pass protection because he is lighter he is more athletic well guess what trent williams is the unicorn who is huge who's a wall in pass protection, but who can also dart around and make those athletic blocks in space. And I think that makes him eminently valuable for the 49ers, maybe more so than to any other team because he does both things so well. And uh, there's another thing, Matt, that you know might help Trent Williams here in these negotiations and might help the 49ers too if they do commit that kind of money to him. He took all of that 2019 season off. So maybe that came at just the right time in his career to give him fresh legs, to give him that little extra bit of gas to make him an effective player past age 35. Because, hey, if the 49ers are going to get this done, and right now I'll predict five years, $118 million. That's $23.5 million per year. That makes Trent Williams the highest paid left tackle in history. I think they want to get it done over five years to make that first year cap hit just a little bit over $10 million so they could fit him in. If they want to do all that, they're counting on the guy to be good through his age 37 year, or at least through his age 36 year. That's a really risky bet to take but maybe Trent Williams is that unicorn not just in terms of run versus pass blocking but maybe he's that unicorn because of the year that he took off in 2019 that can actually give the 49ers a solid chance of staying productive through age 36 so that they're not dealing with too much dead money down the road and he talked about that on this uh, Chris Collins podcast the other day that's hosted by one Richard Sherman so Richard Sherman was asking him all the questions uh, that, that you were just uh, discussing. And one of them is, you know, does that, that year off, uh, is it sort of, um, you know, sort of ironic? I mean, he, he was you know, dealing with cancer, but it, it could end up sort of elongating his career. And he agreed with that. He, he said two things that I thought were really interesting. And remember, this is a guy who's poised to become a free agent. So he's saying all the right things. But one was that he plans to play another six seasons. So he'll be 33 um, when when this next season begins. So uh, we're talking right up until he's he's almost 40 years old, which is not out of the realm of a possibility. We're, we're seeing guys do that. Uh, the Rams' offensive tackle, for example, is, is, is in his 40s right now. And he also said that 
the 49ers offense is is the one offense that really sort of features the left tackle. I mean, uh, Kyle Shanahan makes the left tackle the focal point on a lot of plays, and, and he likes that. Um, and, and both of those things suggested that, you know, he's, he, he wants to come back and that he will come back. Uh, but they also, uh, there were, there were smart things to say from a bargaining standpoint, because it just kind of, uh, zeroes in on, on how important he is to this team and how worthy he would be of that kind of $23.5 million a year contract, because he might play another six years and because he is the focal point of the offensive line. Um, and, and that's why everybody thinks that this deal will ultimately come together. But it is a lot of money, and it is a risk that you're, you're paying to um, a big man um, whose game is built on his speed. Is he still going to have that speed at age 39? Uh, can you run outside zone when your left tackle is 39 years old? Uh, these are all sort of... Uh, uh, areas that we haven't uh, ever been in, haven't delved into. So it's uh, it's a leap of faith, but uh, I'm I'm more confident than I'm not that uh, a deal will come together at some point. Taking a year off, an entire calendar year off from you know playing football after you've been doing it for whatever six seven years. I mean, your body must feel like you're a little boy again, and I can just imagine. You know, I, I can see another six years if, if, if a player is able to take, you know, mid-career, take a year off and just let your body heal a little bit and get your mind off of football uh, and then come back a year after. I think that is huge. And I was just I, I'm just sitting there thinking about that. So but yeah, I, I think that deal is going to happen. I think he's important. I think Cal and, and John uh, Lynch understand how important and you don't you just don't find, you know, you use the word uni- unicorn. I, I, I like that. You just don't find offensive linemen like that that can do what he can do to be as athletic as he is uh, to be a mauler and just, and, and just be so uh, technically sound as far as his pass rush techniques goes or his pass pro technique goes. So hopefully that, that'll happen. I think that helps out this offense a lot moving forward uh, into next season. Well, if you want to find video evidence of a player that has an extra spring in his step, because of a year off, just go back to week one, right? Williams' first game back when he just exploded off the line and destroyed Jordan Hicks, linebacker from the Cardinals. I mean, that's still – I mean, everybody on that field is big and fast. It's the NFL. Trent Williams looked five times as big and fast as everybody else on that play. So, uh, yes, I know that he's the unicorn. I know he's Trent Williams, and and those are the types of plays that he delivers. But I think that there was even a little something extra in that play, which, by the way, we, we, we saw you know glimpses of it throughout the whole season that I think definitely was related to what Trent himself was talking about the other day and what Dennis was talking about, what Matt was talking about, and that's that, that extra spring in his step from the year off. And that's certainly – a. Uh, component of of the contract discussions ongoing right now with Trent Williams and we do know that the 49ers would love to to lock him up before free agency opens in earnest because uh, weird stuff can happen I know that people think prices might be depressed this year probably across the board they will be because of the cap but I think the very premier guys and and there's going to be a team or two it could be the Colts for example that still have a lot of cap space and they, they want Trent Williams playing next to Quentin Nelson. All it takes is one team to drive 
one of the premier guys price way up and and then the market doesn't really matter it's an exception in, in that situation so the 49ers want to avoid that lock Trent Williams up before that happens before the free agency opens up and then get to their other business because it's a domino effect beyond that and hey guess what we'll talk about that domino effect next week that's when this party really gets started so it's been fun previewing uh what should be a wild march and april for the 49ers uh, for you guys here and we'll definitely be back soon because the off season is about to enter full swing for matt barrows and dennis brown this is david lombardi we'll talk to you next time on the here's the catch podcast <laughs>